0: Welcome to Rise Above Your Mind, a podcast dedicated to education, advocacy, and support for topics related to mental health and all challenges and obstacles that are found in the world today. Welcome back to another episode of Rise Above Your Mind. Today, we are joined by Samantha Carey. If you just want to introduce yourself real quick.
1: Yeah, I'm Sam Carey. I'm a rising junior at the University of Iowa, where I play on the women's soccer team. I'm also a campus campus for the University of Iowa through THO, and I'm the executive of our health and well-being chair for University of Iowa, ISAC.
0: First of all, just want to say super excited to have you on. Sam and I have been friends for a few years now, and- I knew that she'd be a great guest for the podcast. Lots of energy, lots to talk about. So it's going to be a great time.
1: I finally got an invite as soon as you started this podcast. I'm like, so when are you going to bring me on so we can just talk and actually record our (laughs) interaction?
0: Oh my, no, absolutely. Super excited to have you on today. It's going to be a great time. First thing I want to talk about, obviously you're at the University of Iowa. They've got a big women's soccer program, D1, very prominent. What was the pressure of committing to a D1 school in high school and then coming into college and starting as a freshman what was what were kind of the emotions the pressure how that affected your mental health with with, you know kind of big shoes to fill
1: yeah absolutely so women's soccer is one of those really weird sports that commits really early with more and more rule changes that's been being delayed which I think is a really good thing but for me I committed to the University of Iowa when I was 15 years old so my joke was I could I committed to my college before I could even drive a car (laughs) <laughs> um, oh, so there is a lot of pressure involved with that just trying to figure out like which school is the best for you when you're a freshman and a sophomore in high school navigating that college recruiting process, which seems to be a beast of its own and figuring what's the best fit but I got really fortunate with Iowa, I felt a really strong connection with the coaches there and the program and I really knew that there'd be a place where like my playing style and me as a person could thrive. So once I committed I really just wanted to focus on I had a lot of different goals that I really wanted to accomplish in my time in Iowa. I chose Iowa because I thought it was a team that would challenge me, but I also thought I could make an impact in. So once I committed, the immediate dream was how was I going to get playtime as a freshman? I heard a lot of horror stories of girls, you know, committing to schools in the Big Ten, other Power Five conferences, and just kind of fizzling out and never getting that shot. And I wanted to do everything in my power to make sure I could. So the biggest step I probably made into getting my shot was I actually graduated high school a semester early. So I went to the University of Iowa in January of 2019 and missed the second half of my senior year of high school, which was a decision I would never regret. It's one of my best decisions I've made and getting a jumpstart in college, getting used to what college soccer is like, playing with the coaches, playing with the team, a new playing style. And right from there, I was really fortunate to kind of be throwing in the starting lineup. By March of that year, we were in our preseason, our spring exhibition games, and I was starting. And that was kind of crazy for me to be a senior in high school, supposed to be, and starting on a Big Ten University team and start training. But it was a great opportunity to grow as a player and as a person. And at first, it was just surreal. It was fun. It was exciting. It was energetic just to be able to, you know, be one of the people out there. And then once that semester ended, I kind of realized I was actually going to go into my first Big Ten season, and there was a lot of expectation <laughs> and a lot of like idea of what that Iowa team could do. In 2019, we had 14 seniors, so it was a really exciting time to like see how far we could make. And out of those 14 seniors, I was the one freshman on the starting lineup, and for a majority of the year, I was the one freshman on the starting lineup. So subtle flex, going- right
0: there, subtle flex. <laughs>
1: But so, yeah, um, going into it and going into that fall was so much fun. But as you said, it also had its turns of pressure. I was on a back line that had two Big Ten players, like um, all Big Ten team players. One of them was being ranked one of the best players in the country at that time in our captain, Hannah Drakulik. Our goalkeeper was a four-year starter in Claire Graves. And my joke is that my first game at Iowa, my mom said that she had heard the words like, gosh, dang it, Carrie, like so many times because I just <laughs> up to their caliber and they were letting me know that I was messing up, which was great. And as a teammate, you should hold each other accountable. But that definitely started to like lay on me. And I was like trying to figure out like, am I actually good enough to be getting this? Am I really better than the other people? And I really, a lot of that imposter syndrome seemed to really be coming into play for me and figuring out like, am I good enough to even be here let alone getting the chance that I've been getting. I remember I had a meeting during preseason with one of my coaches because he could tell I was like questioning a lot of this. And he was like, okay, so like, do you think you are the best left back we have here? And I was like, no, like I'm genuinely shocked him in the position of it and he just laughed. And he's like, dude, like you need to start believing in yourself as much as we believe in you. And that was like my first jumpstart of like, I feel like a lot of my life and through a lot of my experiences, a lot of people had told me I couldn't do things. And that made me feel like I couldn't. And I like wanted to break the mold. I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. So I'm going to do this instead of actually playing for myself and enjoying the game that I love. And I used it almost as like a revenge tool. And so once they're like, you need to actually believe in you. I was like, oh, what is that like? Like, what is playing for fun like? (laughs)
0: no absolutely I feel like that's something that a lot of people especially like in recent years in athletics it's become more of like you're playing for the titles and the trophies and the headlines and you oh this person once told me that I couldn't go d1 so now I have to prove them wrong or oh they said I couldn't start and I feel like it's so freeing once you get to that point where you're just like I'm just gonna go out and play soccer I mean you and I both know We've been playing soccer since we were like two, three years old, right? It's, it's everything to us. And so kind of getting back to that, I'm just playing for myself. I'm playing because this is something that I love, something that I want to do. That's so freeing and so refreshing.
1: Oh, it absolutely is. And I can genuinely say, as I said, I'm a rising junior. I just got to that point this summer. Um, with a lot of the stuff I've been doing this summer. Um, I've been training with the Chicago Red Star Reserves in Chicago, um, living in a new city, in a new environment, challenging myself, going against some of the best players in the country. And like, I finally hit that point of freeing myself and it's led to some of my best performances I could even imagine. And then there'll be times, like, as you know, as a soccer player, a lot of it's like moves and fluidity of the game and like, day in a game like I just did some like crazy spin move in a heel pass which is something like I don't do <laughs> and like I remember thinking I'm like was that me like did my feet just do that but it was like that free <laughs> I finally feel confident in how I'm playing um but yeah a lot of that like questioning of who I was and what I was doing was coming from being a freshman starter like I was so grateful for the opportunity to prove myself. But also I was like, I'm the one person starting out of my class. Like I have to be good. And in 2019, we made the big 10 tournament. We made the NCAA tournament for the second year ever in Iowa history. We had huge upsets against NC state, which was 14 in the country at the time. We tied Wisconsin who won the big tens and went undefeated and their only tie was against us. So we had a lot of really big pivotal moments in that game. And a lot of stuff, like I was like, oh my God, if I make this one mistake, like my team's going to lose. Like I, like in the Kansas game, which is our first NCAA tournament game. It's like, if I mess up, our team loses these 14 seniors just ended their soccer career. And it's my fault. And I was channeling a lot of that pressure onto myself and that lost that love of the game that we were just talking about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like putting that pressure on yourself, it gets to the point where you're almost like scared to play. And that's a, that's a terrible feeling. That's a terrible feeling because soccer and, and really all sports, anything outside of sports, you know, you should do stuff because you want to do it. You should do stuff because something you're passionate about, something that you care about. And like I said earlier, I feel like athletics, you know, the last couple of years, in a lot of ways, it's become you're more afraid to make mistakes than to do the right thing. And I definitely learned that, you know, my freshman year of college coming in, I had played like center back holding mid in high school, um, was a lot more agile and tore my meniscus, had to have knee surgery and just couldn't quite, you know, I put on some weight. I wasn't as strong and I just couldn't play the way that I used to, and especially with my knee. And so all of a sudden I had to transition and my coach wanted me to play as a striker as a target forward. And as I learned that role, I got a lot more comfortable with it, but I was constantly questioning myself because I'd never played that role before, you know? And so every single time that I got the ball and laid it off or took a shot, I was like, was that the right choice? Like, should I have done that? And I just got so in my head that it almost every single practice, it was like, Oh, you know, what am I going to have to do today? How am I going to do this? And I'm thankful. It was kind of a weird turn of events, but this last spring, we had like, I want to say five goalkeepers in the fall and two of them transferred. One of them decided to take the year off to be home. And then our regular starter ended up having some COVID issues, had to go home for a while. So all of a sudden we only had one goalkeeper going into our season. And my coach just kind of threw me in goal one practice as like, we just need somebody to, to stand in, in place. And I did pretty well. And so he was like, Hey, like the next practice he messaged me was like, Hey, like, is it cool if you play goalkeeper again tonight? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, whatever the team needs. Cause that's, that's the kind of person I've always been. And I fell in love with it. And I ended up playing goalkeeper for the rest of the year, got to play in a couple of games. And it was that I got back to that freeing, you know, spot where I wasn't afraid of making mistakes because I was the backup goalkeeper. I've never played goalkeeper, you know, in the last 10 years. And so I was like, I'm just going to go out and play soccer and have fun. And I think that's definitely something that athletics, like we need to get back to that. We need to get back to the place where, you know, we're just out there having fun or doing something we love because like, for me, this is going to be my last season this fall competitively in the spring. I'm going to student teach and then I'm going to graduate and go coach, but playing, this is my last season. And so I'm like, I'm going to enjoy every second of it. You know, I'm not going to put the pressure on myself of if I let in a goal, that's going to, you know, I'm going to get down on myself or whatever. Cause I've only got, you know, so many, so many practices and games left to to make those mistakes and, and play like that. And then I've got the rest of my life to, to, to deal with it. So yeah, absolutely. I think just learning to love the game and taking that pressure off your shoulders. Cause like, obviously Obviously a a D3, you know, compared to D1, there's a little bit of a difference in terms of pressure, but it's all the same when it comes to just playing how you want to play and, and loving the game. And I wanted to build off something that you mentioned about with your 2019 University of Iowa team that had such a strong season, had those upsets, had some crazy games that I remember watching. And 2020 COVID hits, you don't have a season. Coming into the 2021 season, You guys had a bit of a rough start, turned things around, had some crazy runs. I just kind of want to talk a little bit about like the emotions, what was going through your head, kind of the team in itself was in a slump. A lot of the individual players were in a slump and just kind of the mental health, like the emotions going through your head, going through your team's head and how you guys kind of overcame that slow start and that pressure that was on you to, you know, end up doing the things that you did.
1: Yeah, so 2021 had a crazy start. Uh, There's no lying in that. It did not start the way we were planning at all. So as I mentioned earlier, we lost 14 seniors. And that's like a natural built-in excuse in soccer is, oh, it's a rebuilding year. And I don't know if we played too much into that, but we had a lot of talent on our team. Even though we had lost so many people, we had a ton of great new players come in, we had players stepping up, but we just weren't the same group. Like, a lot of it was we had lost a lot of our identity as a team, which is in soccer is so important. Like normally, Iowa, in the Big Ten, we are a gritty team. We're going to tackle you. We're going to push you down. We always have the most fouls and the most red cards of the
0: Big Ten. The Sam Carey mentality.
1: Sam Carey mentality. <laughs> um, and so that's who we are, but we weren't showing that. And so... To start our season, as you well know, you got many, many sad phone calls after games, but we were 0-7-1. We had scored one goal. It was devastating coming off the season that we were. And like, it just was so weird because I couldn't understand what was wrong. Like, what wasn't connecting as a team? What was I personally doing wrong? Because a lot of my issue was, so going from this insane freshman run we had, my freshman year, I started every game. Like, it was so exciting. But now all of a sudden, as a sophomore, I'm a leader on the team. I People looked up to me and I knew that, but I wasn't, I didn't handle that well because all of a sudden it was putting more of that pressure that I already had on myself on my shoulders. I had people telling me, so kind of opposite of what you were just talking about, how you move from center forward to holding mid, to like forward and center back, like moving around so much and that put a lot of pressure. I have the complete opposite. I have been a left back my entire life since I played 11 v 11 soccer. And so my issue is I should know how to play the position better than anyone else. And I had people telling me like, man, you're one of the best left backs in the country. You're the best left back I've ever played with, but that got so much in my head of, I need to prove that every single second I'm on the field. And I never let myself get to that freeing point again. Um, so I had pressure myself. Everyone was trying to figure out what was wrong. And then once you have now a team that's 0-7 and one, it's how are you going to get that break? Like at a certain point where like karma has to start going our way, like what is going wrong? And you put so much, like I was putting stuff on myself, like me as a left back, I'm a defender and I'm like, I need to score in this game. Cause this is ridiculous that we've lost this much, or I need to make sure no one beats me one v one, the entire game, because if they do like that could be it. And that'll be the reason why we lose. And so a lot of it was individual pressures of trying to figure out what we could do better and what we could get out of the slump until eventually I think this took us all a bit and honestly, a lot of frustration just to step back and be like, listen, this season's not going how you want it to be. We need to chill out and go back to our roots because another issue is as girls can be, nothing was going well. And that led to more team drama and that led to more frustration and fractions in our culture and in our roots that like, we no longer were a unit we no longer enjoyed spending time with each other at practice. And it was really hard to still smile and be upbeat and be happy when we were playing, not even like when we were playing, like we were, but when we were losing, like we were, because even though we like had some terrible games and we all remember some of them, each game that we lost, we got better. And I could generally believe that. And like, we had some really unlucky breaks that led to losses and whether it be missed calls or whether it be just like hitting the post eight times in one game, like just no one wanted us to win. But the way I look back at it now is that we weren't ready to win yet. We did not have the winning mentality, the anything it took mentality. And so it took a lot of time of like getting to know each other on a personal level, which for me is hard because I'm not a vulnerable person. As Jada knows, I don't like- What?
0: That's that's news to me.
1: No, never. I don't like doing emotions. I don't like talking about things. Like I will hit the crap out of you on the soccer field and I will just turn around and walk away. Like I don't like exposing who I am. And I felt like there was a point in time where that's what we needed. We needed just to sit down in a room as a team because the better you know each other off the field, the better you're going to play for each other on the field. And I think we finally bit that bullet and was like, okay, we can't keep just talking crap on each other off the field, dealing with that, and then go on the field and act like that going to be okay. And finally, slowly, once we started having these team talks, getting a little bit more open and honest with each other holding each other accountable to a better degree, the results started turning around. So as Jaden alluded, we went on, I think we finished Big Ten play two, eight and one. So we had two wins in all of Big Ten play, which is nuts in itself. But because of COVID, we got really fortunate. Um, Normally the top eight teams in the Big Ten make the Big Ten tournament, but they let everyone in this year. And so they had divided it up in a different way, and we ended up drawing Illinois for our first game. Mind you, Illinois was our worst loss of the season. We lost three to zero. It was embarrassing. It was pathetic. It was it was just all around bad. Like we hey, all I mean,
0: I mean, three zero is that terrible? I've lost separate college games like six zero and eight zero. So oh. you know,
1: <laughs> okay, well, I'd, I'd take us. a three <laughs> zero. <laughs> so we. Went to University of Illinois on their home field. The first day they opened their brand new stadium, and the first time that anyone was allowed to have a crowd in the Big Ten with COVID stuff. So honestly, like as I tell this story, i like feel like I'm reading out of a book or like some kind of movie. Like it all this everything worked. Sure enough, we play Illinois. We start off on fire. Second half, get an early goal, up one nothing. They counter that back up one one. Go into overtime. Freshman steps up big upper 90 shot we win two to one we beat illinois knocked them out of the tournament and from there like we just caught this wave of momentum and a lot of it was we came up with that underdog mentality and we had a thing we were saying all over social media it was why not us like yeah we finished 13th out of 14 in the big <laughs> pack well, why not us um, well,
0: exactly like that ties exactly what we were talking about with you know just feeling free and just playing like there was no pressure on you guys if you lost they're like, oh, yeah, they're 13th in the Big Ten, whatever. But if you win, everyone starts talking. They're like, oh, these guys might be on to something.
1: Well, no, and that's exactly what I was just about to say. We kind of like, we had zero pressure. Like before the games, when you get in your like starting 11 huddle, we literally would say we quite literally have nothing to lose here. Like if we go out there and we look like idiots, everyone expected that. So like, let's just go and have fun and play <laughs> And that became the high that we all started writing and sure enough, team chemistry became way better. Everyone was laughing and joking each other, like, at team lunches, at team breakfasts. Like, everything became so much better, and we all became happier because we were like, you know what? Like, no matter what happens, why not us? And that game rode into Minnesota. We scored two super early. I think by the sixth minute of the game, we were winning 2-0 on Minnesota. Um, we had lost to them earlier in the season, so it was also the Iowa soccer revenge tour, as we said. Um We ended up winning that game. And then we go to Penn State for the Big 10 semifinals. This was an interesting game for me. Jaden knows exactly where I'm going with this.
0: The Sam Carey mentality.
1: Sam Carey mentality. Um, So Penn State's ranked number four in the country. We finished 13th in the Big 10. Clearly, once again, everyone had expected us to go get our butts whipped. We have never beaten Penn State at Penn State. And we have only beaten Penn State twice in Iowa soccer history. And on top of that, we actually had three girls on our team quit the week, the day before we left for Penn State because they didn't want to be a part of the team anymore. And they had just kind of said, they're like, you know what, you guys are going to go to Penn State. You're going to lose. Like, we don't even want to fly there. And we were like, okay. like So we were battling a lot as a team. And we were going into Penn State. And once again, we all just kind of looked at each other. We're like, hey, we lose, we lose. Like, we got it this far. And this is further than anyone expected us to make it. Like, let's just go out with a bang. Zero zero at halftime. There are some saves where you know how I said early in the season, like I thought like karma was acting against us. Karma was acting for us this game.
0: But I think I think I remember you guys probably hit the post or they hit the post on your goal probably like three or four times in the first half. And every single time I was watching the game and I would just gasp. And I was like, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh.
1: It was insane. I remember walking off the field at halftime and just being like, are we really tied 0-0? Like, the stats are not going to show what this game actually is. Like, the stats are going to be like, oh, Penn State absolutely destroyed Iowa. But, you know, it is what it is, and we're going to roll with it. For me personally, then, in the 69th minute, tragedy struck. Um, I'll <laughs> never forget it. So, um, as Jaden and I have alluded, I'm a relatively aggressive player. Early in the game, the <laughs> minute, I got my first yellow card. And then in the 69th minute, on my second foul of the game, I got another one. Whether it's deserved or not, we'll leave that unsaid. <laughs> but You
0: know, if if D1 soccer had VAR like they have in Europe, I think it, I think it would have been overturned. I think It would have been overturned. It was a it was a rough, rough second yellow card.
1: Yeah, it was a rough moment in my life. So as you if you're not a soccer fan, you don't know that gives me a red card. I was out for the rest of the game. My team had to play down a man and I couldn't play the Big Ten championship if we were to make it that far. At this point, we were winning the game one-nothing. We had had an insane goal off a counterattack against Penn State, and we were riding a high. But yeah, for 30 minutes, my team had to fight down against the number four team in the country with 10 players. And this was a really pivotal moment for me in my mental health journey, in my journey as a teammate, because for a lot of my career in soccer, I've been a very self-motivated player. Like, it's very much like I wanted to make it to i One, I wanted to be a start team, but I never really looked at things as a lens of a teammate and how could I be a better teammate instead of being a better player and a lot of it was because I had been very fortunate to be on the field there had to this point there had not been a game at Iowa that I hadn't started which was really like it's fortunate but also like it changes your mindset when all of a sudden you're watching it from the bench and my coaches as soon as I like walked off the field of my ride like they gave me a hug but at a certain point, like I knew what I had to do. And I realized I had to put my team over myself. And as much as I just wanted to cry into a hole and like realize that I had just had this huge opportunity taken away from me, like I had to start cheering. And like from that moment when the whistle really blew, I was like, the joke is I was like cheering through my tears as I'm like sobbing about my team. But like, it was like, go Hawks. <laughs> Everything was go Hawks. Um, I was like, I like wanted to throw a temper tantrum. <laughs> and that was probably one of my, defining moments of who I became as a player and as a teammate because like my team finally saw that like I was very standoff on my team like I kind of do my own thing I ride my own way that's it but like it finally showed like I care so much about that team and it showed me like I care like and like soccer is a joy and it's a privilege that I get to be here and like I just got the big time t- championship taken away from me but I'm still playing and I'm still with this group and I'm so thankful and sure enough, we ended up beating Penn State in the magical run that it was. And we get to the big 10 championship and I can't even wear my uniform that day, but I was so thankful to be with my team. And in a team that don't doesn't normally typically get along, I had four or five girls come up to me that day saying, we're winning this so we can get to the NCAA tournament so you can play again. Because everyone, we all all of a sudden cared about each other. And it was this big rally of like, why not us? Sure enough, storybook ending keeps going. We win the Big Ten Championship, which is the first ever in Iowa soccer history. We get to NCAA tournament because the winner of the Big Ten gets an automatic bid. So even though we finished 13th with only two wins in normal season, we're going to the NCAA tournament. We get a first game bid. We score in the fourth minute of that game against Campbell. We win 1-0. And then all of a sudden we're playing number three seed UCLA in the second round of the NCAA tournament, which is like the most surreal thing that's ever happened. And though that UCLA game didn't go as we wanted and we were winning at halftime, which was insane. Um, And 30 seconds left in the game, they got a great goal. And, you know, but like the journey of the team, like, and like the, you know, myself selfish motivation versus like, I actually care about this team. The realization of letting go and playing for fun is one of the best things that's happened to me in my life.
0: Yeah. And just to kind of build off that, I, I've kind of been in, in a weirdly like, opposite like flip situation to you in terms of being that teammate role where that's that's what I thrive on I've never been like the star player I've never been the oh like I'm gonna start every single game and like I accepted that I knew that I in high school when I was younger like I didn't always make the sacrifices that I needed to that would have you know helped me become that that top tier player. And so when I got to college, especially my freshman year, I had knee surgery. I couldn't play for the first two months. I really adapted and adopted that role of I'm going to do whatever I can for the team. You know, and so it was my freshman year. We went, oh, 16 and one. We didn't win a game. We tied one game. We lost 16. I only played in three games, Um, one of which, of course, was that 8-0 loss that I mentioned earlier. So not a great freshman year. But sophomore year, we had another new coach. We really built on it. And we ended up one win shy of tying Coe's record for wins in a season. And that was coming off a zero win season. Like it was our first time. in, I want to say like eight or nine years that we had one back-to-back conference games. We were one win away from making the conference tournament for the first time in like a decade. It was just kind of a crazy turnaround. And then COVID hit this past year. We had a shortened schedule. Things changed. We ended up only winning one game again out of conference. But it's just kind of like I've seen how starting to like become a better group of like guys. Like you said, like when you guys adopted that mentality of like, why not us? Why can't we do this? You guys became a better team. You, you became better teammates for each other. You became better athletes. Once you hit that point where you really become a team where you really start to care for each other, it helps the team, but it also helps the individuals because I can guarantee you that your mental health was better once you started working better with your teammates. Once your teammates were like, hey, we're going to win this game because we need to make the NCAA tournament so that you can play again this year. Like, that's the kind of thing I don't even, I couldn't even imagine the emotions going through your head when you heard that because I know the kind of person you are. You were probably just like, Whoa, hold up! Like, is this somebody like being compassionate towards me? I don't, I don't understand. But
1: that's exactly it. Like, I mean, I've ranted about my team before. Like, I haven't always been on the same page as them. I haven't gotten along. And me just being a friend, being friends with a large group of girls is not something that I'm typically normally good at. And when like this team came up to me and like these girls that I've never really had huge connections with, just you know, put their arm around me and was like no, like we're winning this game because we want you to play again. Because like you got gypped, you handled that so well and you cheered on the team. And now it's our turn to like, take care of you. Like I was trying not to cry. Like (laughs) I was trying not to cry in the field. And then after we won, you know, everyone's celebrating. It was a great moment, but I had a girl come up to me and just go, you know, like, this is your championship too. And don't forget that. Like, though you didn't get to play, like you're one of the reasons we're here and you're such a solid member of the team. And I'm so happy that I get to go to A's with you. And like, just, I sat in that moment for so long. And I like realized now, like looking back, like moments like those, like, yeah, it was great to win the big 10 title, but it was moments like those that transport who I am as a person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, this is something that Clara and I talked about in the last episode is starting to appreciate the little things in life. And especially in athletics where rather than hunting for that trophy, hunting for the glory, hunting for titles and all of that just appreciating athletics while we still can play, you know, like when, when you're no longer playing, you're not going to remember all of the the days where you were like, Oh, I made a bad pass. Like, you're not going to remember that. What you're going to remember is your teammate coming up to you and saying, Hey, this title is for you, your teammate coming up to you and saying, Hey, we're winning this game for you. That's what you're going to remember. You're going to remember all of those positives. And I think that's just so important to, you know, student athlete, mental health. We, as athletes, were kind of, push towards putting that pressure on ourselves like we have a full day of classes and then we've got to go run for two hours against a bunch of people that are trying to win a spot from you that are trying to play over you and there's pressure there's pressure but combating that pressure overcoming it playing freely you know playing for the little things playing for your teammates those are the kind of things that help at the end of the day that just make everything so much more worth it and I think that's that's really great to hear like how that affected you because like I said I've known you for the last what three four years and the Sam Carey that I met three years ago would not have been telling me stories about her teammates coming up and like all of that because she was a lone wolf or you were there and you were the lone freshman and you were like I'm just gonna stay in my little shell I'm gonna play for myself and now like you've Grown into this person that's a leader and that wants to be support for her teammates and all of this. And it's just really great to see that growth as a friend, but also I can imagine your coaches, your family, your friends, everybody. Like it's just so freeing to see how much athletics can influence both physical health, but mental health as well, and just help you kind of progress as a better person. So. That's just my little my little monologue there about Sam and how how great of a person she's turned into over the last three years.
1: And now you're going to make me cry again. I thought we said we weren't doing this.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I <laughs> don't want to make you cry, but um, I'm actually going to pull a little bit of a 180 here. And we're going to move into a topic that's a little more sensitive, something that I know is very important to you and something that you really wanted to talk about because of how much of an advocate you've become and how it has affected your life and really just wanting to be kind of somebody that takes, takes what they've had happen to them and turned it into making the world a better place. I do just want to give a trigger warning for sexual assault in case anybody does feel comfortable or has previous experience. And so I will have a little tab where you will be able to uh, jump to the next segment after we're done talking about that. Um, so that you do not need to listen if you do not feel comfortable.
1: When I was going into my senior year of high school, at the time I was dating a guy who was in his freshman year of college. And yeah, it was great, great relationship. Um, He's a great guy. And I had driven down during my 18th birthday to go and spend time at his frat formal with him um, and be his date and whatever. So when I was down there, I don't typically drink. and I especially didn't drink in high school at all. And he was doing what he needed to do, socializing with the fraternity, which was completely good. And I was kind of off by myself at the frat house after the dance, just, you know, talking to some people low key while he was off, like doing some of the stuff that he needed to do. And a guy had come up to me and grabbed me and pulled me into a secluded room at the fraternity house, where he then proceeded to start kissing me, getting on top of me. Fortunately, I was sober, and so I feel like my circumstances would have been a lot different if that had, you know, not been the case, but I was able to squirm out of there, get off me, and I ran to a friend's house who had lived at, that went to the same university and spent the night at her place. So, yeah, I'm really fortunate that things didn't escalate to a different place and that, you know, I was, you know, I could, things could have been very different but a lot of the reason why I definitely want to make sure I do talk about this incident more and why I bring more light to it is first of all for a really long time I did not discuss it it was something that no one knew about me besides like a couple of my closest people in my life um but by not talking about it I realized for me personally, it gave it power and it gave that whole circumstance power. And it was a long time before I could even be vulnerable with other people. And as Jane referred to earlier, I was this lone wolf because a lot of the times it just kind of brought up the pain of feeling so helpless in that situation and feeling like I couldn't do anything about it. And I just really got into a dark place after that fortunately, I've gone to therapy, which I recommend for a lot of people. Um, This is a free plug for therapy. It helps a lot. Um, And I've talked about that instance and I've, you know, debriefed it a lot. And the people, you know, I talk about it a lot more in my life, but it's really scary to lose control. And it's scary to feel that way. And for me, the interesting thing is after that situation, I saw myself take time where I felt so helpless and I put it into something I can control, which was soccer. And I started working really hard, which is obviously a great thing, but I started overworking and I used soccer as my coping mechanism not to talk. And I used just going after school and kicking balls as hard as I could into a net as a way to really handle that situation instead of actually ha- having open communication about it and discussing it with people and telling it, this is something to the day that my parents actually don't know that happened. And so I feel like a really important thing is knowing when you're, taking negative energy from one thing and putting it onto something. Cause I feel like that dented the game that I love a bit because for a while, I couldn't look at soccer and think about soccer. I looked at soccer and thought about that incidents cause that's how I was coping. And so as much as it's great to put energy into something you love, also just knowing how to talk about situations and being open with people and letting people in. Cause I had people who wanted to help me and I had people who were trying their hardest too, but I was turning them away cause I wasn't ready yet. And so I feel like the biggest thing I could recommend for anyone going through something hard is just taking time, being gracious with yourself, but also let other people in when they want to be let in, because it's really just healing and healthy to make those stronger connections again. It's something to me that now like it shaped who I am and like my personality, but also like it helped free me, but it also helped hurt me in soccer. So it's, there's a balance to play when it comes to stuff like that. What Jaden doesn't know is that he actually met me one week after that happened.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I uh, did not know that. did not know that. Yikes. Now I, now I understand why, you know, at first. I mean, you were never like, you were never like, don't talk to me. I hate you. But you were always just a little, you know, didn't, didn't necessarily want to open up. Didn't want to discuss anything until obviously we got to know each other better. And now you've been like one of my best friends for the last couple of years. So I was actually on a panel earlier today with It's On Us, which is a national organization dedicated to both just domestic violence, sexual violence, sexual assault, stuff like that, that was founded in 2014 and has grown a lot since then, has done some amazing things. One of the people on the panel was the NCAA vice president, and she shared some really good things about the progress that the NCAA has made since 2014, since I believe 2010 was when she came on and started working with the task force and just kind of updated some policies, helping provide NCAA athletes with better um, resources. And they're working on a really big education overhaul for sexual violence, um, sexual assault that will hopefully be rolling out within the next two academic years. So, yeah, it's a really important thing to talk about, to educate people on, because one big thing that they talked about in the panel today was that kind of mentality of being this masculine, oh, I can't, you know, I can't be an advocate for this, I can't do this, because my teammates will be like, oh, he's weak, he's blah, 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 blah. you know, locker room talk, stuff like that they talked about, and just kind of trying to overcome that, especially within the locker rooms, you know, having good leaders that will say, hey, don't talk bad about her, you know, don't, don't be telling stories about stuff like that kind of mentality. And I think that's really important, you know, that education aspect for sexual assault. And I just think that's so important to keep that conversation going, being vulnerable and sharing stories, because it's, it's something that we want to get rid of. It's something that is terrible. And the more that people can get educated on it, the more that people can understand how common it is and how much we need to really fix that problem just the better it's going to be. So that's, you know, another thing I'm incredibly proud of you, Sam, one of the many things like I've already discussed, but just being vulnerable enough to, you know, message me and be like, Hey, I want to talk about this because it's something that I care about and something that people need to hear about so that they can understand and, you know, better themselves. So yeah, the last thing that I want to finish off on more of a, a more of a positive note here, more of a let's bring back Sam's, you know, flamboyant personality. Um if you just want to talk about maybe some of the stuff you've done in the past 2 years at Iowa for mental health support, you know, obviously you joined the hidden opponent as a campus captain and just kind of what being a mental health advocate means to you and then kind of close it off if you have any advice just in general for student athletes or just general mental health advice, whatever you want to take us away with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love, first of all, what the University of Iowa has really offered me and getting to really work on stuff that I'm passionate about. So, Getting to know the right people at either your university or wherever you're at, I think is great. And fortunately, I was put in touch with the right people at Iowa who really backed my goal And so this is before I was even, I was a freshman. And so I wasn't even on our um, SAC at the time, but I had a class that required me to do some sort of public health uh, outreach of some regard. And I was fortunate enough to get in touch with athletics and use it as a chance to start building a program uh, with the Iowa Children's Hospital Athletics. And from there, my role on SAC and my role in the Iowa athletic community started to grow. And I myself, I have a passion for mental health with some of my struggles, as well as hearing of a, a lot of my friends. As, like, as I clearly mentioned, Jason's been one of my best friends for a long time, and I know his story really well. And I know there's other people that aren't as vocal about their story who are struggling. So some of the great things we started to do at Iowa and really come into peace is one of them is, we call it our Hawks for Hawks program. And so it's a peer support training. So it's basically like when someone you tell on your team is not all right, how do you ask them? How do you initiate that conversation? And if they don't want to talk to you, when do you have to go somewhere else? And how do you really navigate these avenues? And I think that was a really great training that we started doing at Iowa. We've had over 50 athletes go through it and really see a lot of benefit from it and able to have harder conversations and be more honest with each other and really open up. And I feel like it's channeled a lot about our team, about stuff like that. From there, we've also been really fortunate. We've had Victoria Garrick, um, as we all know and love, zoom into Iowa and have a great discussion about her story, her journey with especially body image was a lot of the thing a lot of the people want to talk about and something I know like my team has struggled with and talking about and just a lot of opening up about regards to that. And then we have a lot of goals um, for this coming year with our SAC and other programs we want to initiate. As I said, I'm the health and well-being chair for Iowa. So a lot of what we focus focus on is mental health. But there's other things you want to try to focus on. Um, I've been in planning so with our SAC right now. And one thing we're talking a lot, about, a lot about is just the ability to be open and vulnerable. So as you were just talking about earlier with locker room talk, it's crazy, but it happens both in girls sports and in guys, um, as much as it's really navigated just towards guys, but it's in a different way. First of all, a locker room talk in girls sports can be a lot about bodies a lot about, you know, oh, I feel so fat. Well, okay, if you feel fat, what about the girl next to you? And what you don't know what she's going through. And if she's comparing herself to you and stuff like that. So it's just really removing the discussion of body and especially in a negative way, because what's the need? We're all athletes. We're all working out. We're all healthy, but yeah, we're all going to look different. So how do you bring that into a positive light? Another thing we're really focusing on is our SAC is uh, partnering a lot with, we're going to be a partnering a lot with our Pride House. In talking a lot of things about sexuality and being comfortable with that. Um, this is something I've been more and more growing comfortable with. And I gave Jaden a call a few months ago randomly and I'm bisexual and I'm fully, I'm owning it. I love it. It's definitely a large part of who I am, but for the longest time I've had this discussion of, you know, I told my closest friends, I told my parents, but like, do I have to tell my team? And so there's a lot of education that we're doing at Iowa, which I'm so, so thankful for. And I guess like Jaden said, to close it out is my biggest thing is everyone has a story. Everyone has had struggle. Everyone has come through adversity. And I fully believe it's how you rise from that adversity that shapes who you are as a person and really shows those life goals. But also you don't know everyone's story. And at the end of the day, treat everyone, be kind because you never know what someone's going through.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. Honestly, that's, that's a great way to end things here and send us on our way. I just want to give a huge thank you to Sam for joining us today. I know she's been super excited about hopping on an episode at some point since I first let her know that I was starting this and uh, we finally got it done. Thank you, Sam. Any closing words?
1: Thank you so much, Jayden. And keep sharing the word.
0: All right. Don't forget. It's a good day to have a great day and I hope you guys enjoy.